Thank you, ladies. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I desire to be a help and a blessing. I really do. And I believe tonight that the truth of the word of God can be a help to all of us individually as well as collectively. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to listen. We're here. We're in this place. May we give our attention to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God as it's preached. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject, a template for success. I do not know a leader that is just like Joshua in the Bible. There are many good men that we would consider leaders. I do not know of a man that we would want to have success like any more than that of Joshua. Joshua served the Lord faithfully all of his life. He was a man of faith as a young man. He was a servant as a young man. And God chose him as a servant and then as a leader. And he faithfully served the Lord in success and victory. In fact, the only time that we find the word success in the Bible is in God speaking to Joshua and what he says to him in verse number 8, and thou shalt find good success. Joshua was a um, leader like none other, other in that all of his family faithfully served the Lord. That's an interesting thing about Joshua. But yet a step further, all of the elders and leaders around Joshua, all of those that served with him, the Bible says that they served the Lord to the very end of Joshua's life. And uh, that's quite amazing. His life is a template for success. And, and we should be surprised at that because God told him, if you do these things, thou shalt find good success. This morning I began this sermon by talking about the greatest moral victory in America in a century of time, and that was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. No federal protection for killing the innocent unborn anymore. In the sermon this morning I said thank you to a list of people. I'll rehearse that and say first of all, thank God for His mercy and grace. I am most encouraged to know that God has shown grace and mercy to this nation. And I want you to hear this statement. The amount of wickedness does not determine God's blessings on a nation. It's the amount of righteousness. God wanted to and would have saved Sodom. It wasn't destroyed just because of its wickedness, though that's what brought God's judgment. It was destroyed because there was not ten righteous people left in that place. And so I thank God for His mercy and grace. Mercy, God not giving us what we deserve. Grace, God giving us what we do not deserve. And as the song says that we have sung so many times, God has shed His grace on us. Second of all, I thank the people who had a part in the June 24 decision from the local officials that have stood as a pro-life leader to the Supreme Court justices and the presidents that appointed them. 
I then listed the activities, the actions and events that have led up to the overturning of of the sentence of death that was declared on the unborn in 1973. Four things we've been doing for the past 50 years, I believe, that led to the turning or the overturning of that decision. First of all, we prayed. So many times we prayed. I don't know how many times I prayed about this particular thing. I do not know how many times I said to God, I am so ashamed for my country. I am so embarrassed. I am so sorry for the sin of our nation that we have murdered so many innocent unborn children. Every year at this time of the year, when I think of the independence of our nation and God's mighty blessings, I've wondered just how long can those blessings continue? And we have prayed. Oh, how we have prayed. Second of all, we preach the truth of the Bible. I'll not repeat the verses that I read this morning, nor re-preach those sermons, but even though our nation had a sentence of death upon the innocent unborn for nearly 50 years, we have faithfully preached the Bible against that barbaric behavior. Third of all, we took personal stands. Uh, You've marched, uh, you've stood, you've worn shirts, uh, you've uh, posted on social media, you've taken criticism and hatred and cursing, but you stood. Uh, You took a personal stand for pro-life, for uh, the value of life. And we've done so uh, for 50 years. Number four, we worked to elect pro-life candidates for 50 years. I remember when there were less than 25 pro-life candidates or representatives in all of Frankfurt. I mean that. There was less than 25 pro-life candidates uh, in Frankfurt. Now there is nearly 80% of those that are in Frankfurt that are pro-life. Not just that, but even in our local uh, and uh, city uh, areas across the state. Not in Lexington, uh, but across the state. We've worked to elect and we need to continue. Uh, Kentucky is a pro-life state. Kentucky needs a pro-life governor. Most often, we evaluate failures. But we seldom evaluate victories. If we lose a sporting event, we evaluate, what do we do wrong? If we lose an election, what do we do wrong? In business, if we fail, what are we doing wrong? However, we typically gloat in pride in our victories. We typically take the credit for victories, which most often sets us up for a failure. We often take personal credit for something that was accomplished in God's power. We don't evaluate our successes. Seldom do we evaluate our victories. We do not sit down and think as to what brought about a victory. And I believe that is a mistake. I believe what we ought to do is evaluate what has brought about this victory in our nation this week and say, let's do it again. Let's see what brought this victory. Are you with me tonight? Let's see what brought this victory, and let's do it again. I've said all of this, and to this point uh, this morning, in uh, the message this morning. 
We could repeat what has happened in the last 50 years. We could be patient in hope. We could repeat the behavior, not gloating in the victory or taking claim or credit, but saying, let's see what we can do to repeat this behavior. For example, we should reverse the direction of our educational system. What a kick out those that deny God and teach evolution. Evolution is not just a theory, it is a denial of God and God's creating this universe. God not only created this world and everything in it, He created it for His pleasure. It is a devil's lie to say that your body belongs to you. My body, your body, if you're a child of God, was bought with a price. You and I belong to Him. Humanism says, I am my own king. Christianity says, He is my Savior, but He's also my Lord and my King. We should reverse the direction of our educational system. I said to one of our candidates for governor in this uh, upcoming election next spring, I said, it's a sad thing when this book right here is an illegal book in most of our schools, and there are nearly a hundred books of perversion in our libraries that are teaching perversion about marriage and behavior and gender. It's a shame. It should not be allowed. Now, the same people that took a stand for life ought to stand for those that are going to kindergarten and those that are going to grade school. Now, you understand, I'm for Christian education. I'm for whether you send your children to a Christian school uh, uh, or you homeschool them, but there's a multitude of people, they do not have that privilege. They don't have that opportunity. And I wish we could do, I wish we could change that, but dear friend, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to find some school board members like Brother Randy here tonight that is not only pro-life but pro-Christian and he stands for what's right and find some more that will say, we don't want this kind of perverted behavior in our schools. We'd like to go back to where we started, back when we could read and write, back when we could tell the difference in a baby that's a boy or a girl. You remember when you waited in the waiting room to see if your wife had a boy or a girl? Then they got to the place that they could do a test and find out with, a, uh, with an x-ray and see if it's a boy or girl at, I don't know, three, four, five months. Now they've got to be 15 years old to figure out what they are. That's foolishness. It's, it, it's time to stop playing that game of deception. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Deception is... We need to kick out those that believe that government knows better than the parents of how to rear their children. School is for reading and writing and arithmetic. It's not for the, not for the government to take the place of dad and mom. I had a candidate ask me recently, what do you think the government's position ought to be on this? I said, government ought to get out of that. And you tell me about politics. I'm going to tell you, why don't you get out of our homes and get out of our families and you teach reading and writing and arithmetic and we'll teach our children about proper behavior and moral values from the word of God. Now we can take a template for success, apply it to education and make a great difference in our nation. We could put the Ten Commandments back where they belong. 
everywhere. We could restore the sanctity of marriage. I've heard folks say already, well, I, I don't want to be offensive to people. I'm going to stand before God one day, not people. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I am trying to live my life and lead others to live their life according to the light of the scripture. We can rebuild the home. We can teach folks that it's a man married to a woman that has children and dad and mom together rear those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, we can rebuild the foundation of our society. However, we must evaluate our success and make a template for victory. I think we see a pretty good template of what happened. We prayed, we preached, we took a personal stand, and we elected pro-life people. We all take the next step. I've been a senior pastor for 36 years and two months. Some time ago, I learned from a preacher friend of mine who's now in heaven to make notes and outlines of every activity I did in the Lord's work, not just the doing of it, but how to do it, and to make a template of success and follow that. He said, when you have a victory, evaluate that victory, see what you did and do it again, see if you can have another victory. When you have a good day, figure out what you did and do it again and see if you can have another day, uh, 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 another good day. For example, I remember the first funeral I conducted is a very difficult one. It was very difficult. And I'll not go through the details of that. But I made notes of that funeral. I made notes of the order of service, the sermon outline, and I followed it again in the next funeral and I added notes to that until I developed a template that I follow in every single funeral. Now I know that some funerals are different than others. There are some folks that are active members of our church and there are some funerals I preach and, and some of our men preach and all the funeral homes know uh, in our town around if anybody uh, ever needs a preacher to conduct a funeral service and they don't have someone, you let us know. I've conducted funeral service for, for homeless people. I, I, I conducted one service for a homeless man and never had any family, no family. There was nobody to come and a sister in California I said put her on the phone and if you don't mind all of the funeral workers funeral home workers if you don't if you don't mind just to sit down for 10 minutes and let's give honor to this man and I gave them the gospel as I would give the gospel in any funeral and and I did that funeral so I made a template for a funeral from the praying to the planning to the research, to the scripture, the Bible character, a passage of scripture that they would remind me of. And I follow that every time. I don't want to get the same nervous every single time. I want to follow that template. I, uh, I made a template for conducting a conference. I've been a part of a nearly 1,000 conferences and revivals in 36 years. I'll be in a conference just about every week from now until Christmas, sometimes to a week. I don't want to go to that and figure out, how do I do this? I found a template that worked, and I repeated that. Are you with me? This is just making common sense tonight. And that's exactly what God said to Joshua. I have a template for conducting a graduation. I follow the same graduation every time. This past year, a college graduation, Dr. Jorgensen forgot his notes in the rehearsal. In the rehearsal. My wife had a copy of the notes from the previous year. 
He could use the same ones because we do the same thing. One thing I learned in my template for graduations, that they don't have to be eternal to be divine. And I'll never forget sitting through three hours of a graduation service saying, if I ever have anything to do with a graduation, it won't be three hours long like this one is. We'll figure out some way to get it done. I figured out a template for conducting a preacher's fellowship, a template for winning a soul to Christ. I win people to Christ the same way, using the same verses, many of the same things every single time. I follow the same template for preparing sermons. I observe successful pastors doing, uh, 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 conducting services, and I made notes. When I went to Tennessee Temple uh, University in 1982, uh, when I graduated from high school, and Lee Robertson was the pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church and was there for 40 years and six months, I made notes of how he ran the order of service. I've been in services that linger on and on and on, and I felt like I'm waiting in a dentist uh, or a office or a, a, a dentist office or a doctor's office waiting for the dentist or doctor. Church's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be organized and having order. We, we don't need to waste time. I don't believe in wasting time any time. I don't want to waste your time. You come to church. I appreciate you being in church. Wednesday night, we follow the same order year after year. I uh, met with a, an executive of IBM, a member of our church. He's retired now and unable uh, to attend church. And, and I learned from him what, 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 what were some of the things that made the managers and leaders a success at, at IBM. He said, well, uh, we found the strengths of an individual and we helped them follow their strengths. He said, I could take uh, the CEO of a, a Fortune 500 company, make him do things that are his weaknesses and give you 10 reasons to fire him in six months. So he said, we, we, didn't, we weren't foolish in trying to get folks to do what they couldn't do. Folks have different talents and different personalities. Uh, you use folks, and there are folks in this room I could use uh, as an illustration. You put you in one area. Some of you, if I made you a mechanic, we, we'd have to get an Uber ride. And others, if I put you in charge of the PA system, uh, we'd have to yell real loud so we could hear it. But folks have talents and abilities, and here's what I learned. He said we do the same thing over and over. When we find success, we do it, and we do it, and we do it. And he said that's what made IBM a great company. I'm not looking for anything new. I'm looking for what works, and I want to stick with it. I want to stay with the same old music, and the same old preaching, and the same old Bible, and the same old soul winning, and the same thing that brought success. I'm not looking to step with the times. I'm looking to stay with the truth. That's what I'm looking for. We're not looking for something new. We're looking for what works and we're going to make a template and we're going to follow that. And I believe tonight if we would look at this victory in the matter of life and analyze it and repeat it, we could apply it and we could have many great victories in our country. I believe we could have revival again in America. Now let's look at our lives and see what brings victory and repeat it. Uh, we, we get bored at repeating things. And I, I, tell, I, I tell our college students uh, uh, when I'm teaching the preacher boys, you, you may get tired of repetition. And sometimes I get tired of repetition, but I never get tired of success. I'm going to give you an outline that you can put in your own personal applications for your life in the outline. 
and I want to show you a template for success. I need an hour to finish, but I'm going to do my best in the next 14 minutes to give you four words that is a template for success. First of all, you have to know what your purpose is. You can't succeed at anything that you don't have the purpose set. There must be a goal. There must be a goal line. There must be a defined purpose. We must define our purpose of life or event. What are we trying to accomplish? What is our plan of action to accomplish our purpose? And what are, and I'm telling you exactly what God said to Joshua in chapter 1, what are the Bible principles that support the purpose that we're trying to accomplish. He said, I want the word of God to be in not just your mind, not just your heart, but in your mouth. Now it has to be in your mind a lot if you talk about it with your mouth. The thing that you talk about, the, the thing that you talk about is what you think about the most. You may read the Bible, but if you talk about sports, you watch more ball games than you read the Bible. Are you with me? And so we need to fill our minds with the Word of God. We must know what our purpose is. Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He stood for a purpose in a strange land. Joseph purposed to do the will of God. In the pit, he purposed to do the will of God. In the prison, he purposed to do the will of God. He was patient in hope in the dream that God had given him. He latched on to his purpose and he said, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Paul purposed in his heart. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, this one thing I, uh, this one thing I do. Our purpose was to see the decision of Roe v. Wade overturned. What about education? Can we get a hold of education? What about the Ten Commandments? What about the sanctity of marriage? What about ridding this nation of this so-called CRT? We've had enough theory we don't need another critical race theory. We don't know the theory. Why would you want to trade truth for a theory? Somebody say amen tonight. Why would you want to trade truth for a theory? Theories don't work. Truth always works. This here is a template for success. We have to know what our purpose is. Get a hold of your purpose in life. Andrew and Caitlin, their purpose is to plant a church in Albany, New York. That's their purpose. That's their purpose. That's what they eat. That's what they sleep. That's what they pray for. That's what they ask God for. That's what they think about. That's what they think about when they read the Bible. That's what they talk about. They want to plant a church with the purpose of winning people to Christ. That's their purpose. Listen to me. Too many Christians have life in neutral. You're waiting to see which way the devil wants to push you. Forget neutral and put that uh, uh, gear shift in bulldog and find you a purpose and get moving forward in your purpose in life. Is your purpose to plant a church? Is your purpose to build a Sunday school class? Is your purpose to be a bus captain? Is your purpose to be a youth pastor? Is your purpose to be a father, a mother, to have a Christian home? Get a hold of your purpose and quit letting the world tell you what to do and get your purpose from the principles of the Word of God. Number two. Number two, number one, purpose. Number two, perspiration. If you can't spell that, spell it like this, W-O-R-K. Easy way to spell perspiration is work. Nobody succeeds without work. Nobody succeeds without work. Welfare doesn't, mentality doesn't build a church. 
We must do what we can do before God will do what he can do. Nobody succeeds without work. We have to work. You can't, I, I, I'll never forget, and I've told this illustration before. A fellow sat down in the church years ago. We were just talking in the auditorium. And he sat down and he just started playing the piano. He played chopsticks or Mary had a little lamb or something like that. And he said, I wish I could play the piano like your wife can. And I said this kindly. I said, that's not how she learned. He said, what? I said, she didn't learn to play wishing. You don't learn to play the piano wishing you can play. You don't learn to play the guitar wishing you can play. If you could, I, I could play it. It takes work. No business is built without work. I mean, we have to work. We have to understand. We're not going to win people to Christ without work. We're not going to reach teenagers without work. We're not going to reach young people without work. We're not going to rear children to know God and to love God and to know His Word without work. Work is not easy. Stop complaining about work. Work is what produces success. Work is what produces victory. Work is what produces appreciation. Work is what, uh, what produces integrity. Work is what produces character. We've got to get back to the idea of working. Quit talking about retirement and start talking about refiring to do something in your life. David used his might. He had a purpose and a plan to kill the giant. He got his slingshot. And it wasn't the first time he'd used that slingshot. I'll guarantee you he'd knocked the knots off of a lot of trees. And buddy, when he had five smooth stones, I'll guarantee you he knew everything, that those stones were just the right size. He knew exactly where to plant that stone, right in between uh, the headlights, right in the running boards uh, of old Goliath. He knew, but here's what he said. Here's what he said. I'm going to do everything I can do so God can do what he'll do. He said Israel's going to know, not that there's a giant killer in the land. They're going to know there's a God in heaven. But God used his work. God didn't use his laziness. He used his work. Paul gave his ability and his talents as a Jew and a Roman citizen to get the gospel out and he worked at it. The little lad gave his lunch. Nehemiah worked. He mixed mortar. He laid bricks and sometimes he had to have a sword on one side and a trowel on the other. Folks, you and I have seen, those of you that have been here these years, we've seen what God can do when we work Together, when we work, there was uh, how many saved today on the buses, Brother Johnson? He's not in church, he's in security. He sent me a note 14 or 19 young people got saved today on the buses, right at 400 riders. You know how it happened? Bus captains went out yesterday while it's hot and they knocked on doors. Run the bus tomorrow. We hope you can come to church. Will you be able to ride the bus and come to church with us tomorrow? They worked and they invited a thousand people and 25 came. And some got saved. The work isn't glorious, but hallelujah, salvation is wonderful. Work, purpose, perspiration. We planted churches, more than 50 now, across the state and across the United States. Church planting is work. The ministries of our church, the fun that the children had on the ball field yesterday, the fun that they had has taken hours and hours and hours of simple, plain, hard work, getting the field ready, 
throwing the rocks and getting the rocks off the field. I told him yesterday, I said, you know that parable in the Bible about the tares and the wheat and somebody comes in at night and sows the tares? I think somebody comes in at night and throws rocks on our softball field. If we picked up one, we picked up a thousand. It seemed like every time you pick up one, ten more appear. And they have worked and they have worked and they striped the field. I mean, it looked great. It looked wonderful. It took work before there can be some joy. I watched those boys and girls as they finished playing. I mean, their, their, their hair was wet. Their face was wet. Their clothes were dirty. They were nasty and they were as happy as a hog in a mud hole. I mean, they were tickled to death. You know what, what happened? It was because because of work. Brother Dunn this week filled up the buses with diesel. He checked the oil and the antifreeze and, and, and we didn't have any problem with anything freezing up uh, this week. He worked to make sure those buses would run. Brother Greg and Brother David and others, they've worked to, cu uh, to cut the weeds and the grass. You didn't get a paycheck last week because you were lazy. You got a paycheck because you worked. You didn't work because you just wanted to work. You worked because you needed to take care of your family and not spent too much time on work. Let me give you the third thing. Purpose, perspiration. Number three, prayer. I did not list prayer as third because it's third in importance. But if you're not going to work, there's nothing to pray about. The best place to pray for a good garden is at the end of a hoe handle. If you're not going to work and put seed in the ground, then no need to pray for a good garden. But I want to tell you something we ought to do all we can do and little is much when God is in it. I said little is much when God is in it. Friend, when you get to working and you get to serving and you go to God in prayer, I want to tell you tonight what God can do in three seconds will outdo what a man can do in three generations. Give him some work to bless. Give him some perspiration to bless. I'm telling you tonight, if we'll spend time in prayer, God will hear and answer those prayers. Esther prayed and she said to others I'm going to pray and fast will you pray and fast with me she had concerns about even going before the king it wasn't a lawful thing to do unless the king requested for you to come and see him ah but she went because of Mordecai and what was going to happen to their people a decree had already been signed it had been sent out that on a certain day all of the Jews would be annihilated ah but Esther said if I perish I perish but before I go before the king pray and fast dear friend we must spend time with God in prayer if you don't have time to pray you're too busy you focused on the wrong things we must spend time in prayer Nehemiah led his people to pray Solomon led the people to pray in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Paul led the people to pray in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 and verse number 18 let me give you the fourth thing first of all if we're going to have a template for success there must be a purpose mama's your purpose to rear those children and to teach them to love God is so important it's important, Mama, that you point to the moon at night and say to that toddler who made the moon and for those children to say, God made it. 
Who made the sun to rise in the morning? God made it to rise. Who is it that brings the clouds across the sky and causes the rain to fall? And we need to pray for rain this week. Our farmers need rain this week. And we need to tell our children, it's God that brings the clouds and scatters the rain. You understand how dependent we are on God. There must be a purpose. Second of all, there must be perspiration. Third of all, there must be prayer. Number four, there must be persistence. Hear me well. It's not if you get knocked down, it's when you get knocked down, get back up again. I didn't say it's if you get knocked down. I said it's when you get knocked down. The just man falleth seven times and riseth again. Just as sure as there's life, there's resistance to it. There are enemies that will always oppose truth and right. There are enemies that oppose every purpose that we set our minds and we set our hearts to. I don't have time to listen to all of the enemies. As old Sanballat said to Nehemiah, he said, I want you to come down and have a summit in the plains of Ono. And old Nehemiah said, oh no, I'm not coming down to the plains of Ono. I don't have time to talk about it. I'm too busy doing it. He said, I'm doing a great work. And he wasn't interested in in helping Nehemiah any more than the liberals are helping us get the Bibles back in schools. And they're not our friends. and, 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 And the only thing we can do to help them is get them converted by the grace of God and the gospel of Christ. We must be persistent. I said, when you get knocked down, you have to get up again. Now, think now in this fight for life. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about who's been defeated. Think about this. Do you know the liberals have the media on their side? 90% of the media is set for the destruction of our country. I didn't watch a lot of news, but what news I watched was liberal news. And I enjoyed it like I used to enjoy watching the cartoons. If that's wrong, then God can forgive me, but I enjoyed it. They know how I felt for 50 years. You listen to me, and abortion is not health care. Abortion is taking a baby apart limb by limb and killing it in the womb. And there are those in our country that even want the child to be born and look at it and see if it's perfect enough for mom and dad to want it. And if they don't want it, they can kill it right there on the table. God help this old country for even thinking that kind of way. Every creature is God's creature. And everyone is made in the image of God. And everyone is special in the sight of God. But the liberal media has been defeated. All the newspapers and the television channels. Second of all, the liberals had the educational system on their side indoctrinating for 50 years. The liberals had much of Congress on their side. Listen to what I'm about to say. God wrought the victory anyway. We don't talk about David just killing an enemy. We talk about him killing an enemy and he's described this way. He's a giant. He's a champion. He has been in battle before. He's never lost. And it's impossible for a soldier to defeat him, let alone a shepherd. But David did. 
Now let's take this outline and apply it to any good for God and right that we desire that's right in life. Let's apply it to the Great Commission. Let's apply it to the rearing of our children. Let's apply it to our business, to our lives. God's given a template for success. It's about time that we are no longer ashamed of the truth of the Word of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. You told Joshua what to do. He did it. All of his life and up to his death, not only he, but his wife, his family, and all the elders that served with Joshua, they served God all their life. What an amazing thing. And he simply followed the word of God. He was courageous. He followed his purpose. He filled his mind and heart with the word of God. And he succeeded. May we not chase after vain, flashy ideas. Just find the truth, templates that work, and apply those to our lives. Bless our invitation tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He's going